You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Great to have everybody here tuning in. Come with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, you know, right now, obviously, with coronavirus, uh, global pandemic, cities in shutdown, lockdown, social isolating, difficulty, 36 million people facing unemployment. How many people know that the Word of God, the Bible, is a friend of challenging times? In fact, all the way through the Bible, you will find that the Bible relates to challenging times. In fact, the introduction of Scripture, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. So, there's a, there's a reason that God puts that in Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. And the reason he puts that in there is because he wants to show us a contrast of what life looks like when his word is not present. Genesis 1, 3, uh, God said, let there be light and boom, light was. End of Genesis 2, Genesis 1 verse 2, excuse me, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit is hovering in the darkness. The Holy Spirit is hovering in the chaos and the disorder. And uh, when God speaks His Word, life comes. And then over the next six days, order and structure comes always as God speaks His Word. And the continual speaking forth of God's Word is going to bring life where there's death, is going to bring order where there's chaos, and is going to bring blessing where there's been cursing. So come with me to John chapter 6, one of my favorite stories. It says, After these things, Jesus went uh, over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, Then a great multitude followed him because they saw the signs which he performed on those who were diseased. Jesus went up on a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now, uh, the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him, said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he was being cheeky. He was testing him because he knew what he was about to do. And Philip, because Jesus is a locator, he wants to locate. So he'll ask you a question. Not because he doesn't know the answer. He'll ask you a question because he wants to locate where you and I are at. He does the same with Ezekiel. Ezekiel, can these bones live? I want to know where you're at, what I'm I'm working with. And Philip answered and said, Lord, 200 denarii worth of bread. In other words, a year's wages worth of bread is not sufficient that everybody could have a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000 with women and children, anywhere from 12 to 20,000. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples sitting down, sorry, to those who were sitting down, likewise the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were all filled... He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered up and filled 12 basketfuls with the fragments and that were left over. This is the only, go- uh, only miracle that Jesus did that's in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle that you find Matthew had to write, Mark had to write, Luke had to write, 
and then John had to write. It's, it's the only one. You would think walking on water would be in all four Gospels. It's not. You would think raising Lazarus from the dead would be in all four Gospels, but it's not. You would think Jesus opening the eyes of the blind, which was the sign that the Messiah had come, was the opening of the eyes of the blind. You would think that that would be, but the miracle that Jesus performed that's in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the only one is this one. Why is that? Why, why is this miracle out of all the miracles that Jesus did, the one that is unanimously Matthew writing it down, Mark's copying Jesus, Mark's copying, Mark's copying Matthew. Luke's like, I'm writing it too. Matthew and Mark are like, hey, dude, we got it already. You don't need to. And Luke's like, no, as a physician, I'm writing it down. Then John's over there. They're like, John, the three of us have got it. We, you don't need to. He's like, no, I'm writing it. Why, why would that be? The reason it is, is because it is the greatest snapshot of this life. It is the greatest snapshot of what you will always face until Jesus splits the sky in this life. And let me explain that. Jesus has a vision before him. He has a, a need before him. In front of him are 5,000 men plus women and children. You know, anywhere from 12 to 20,000 people in front of him, and they're all hungry. With him, the resources with him are five loaves, two fish. So, so the resources that he has with him are greater than the need before him. When I went to Bible college, I was leaving engineering to go to Bible school, and I had a dream in front of me. But there was a gap in the dream. The dream in front of me to serve God had a whole bunch of questions. And those questions remained unanswered. How was I going to make it? How was I going to survive financially? How was I going to be able to pay rent? How, how was I going to be able to finish Bible school and propose? There was no guarantee that when I finished Bible college that there was a job. You know, I even called the college, hey, do you guarantee jobs for people that go through college? No, we make no such guarantees. There were all these questions, but the vision in front of me was greater than the resources with me. This, this, this will happen to young people, according through high school and college, and then they decide they're going to get married and they go to dream to own a home, but they've still got college debt. They're, they're paying off bills. They're paying off student loans. And so the resources with them, the deposit or lack thereof with them is greater than the dream in front of them. And the disciples do something really interesting. They say to Jesus, Jesus, dismiss the crowd, send the crowd away. In other words, lower the vision, lower the vision before you down to the provision that's with you. What I love about Jesus is he's teaching his disciples and he's modeling to his disciples, no, 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 you don't need to dismiss the crowd down to your provision. You don't need to say, well, California, San Diego is an expensive place to live. And, you know, I don't have enough money to buy a home here. So I'm just going to buy a home in a cheaper state. I'm going to buy a home in a cheaper county somewhere else. I'm going to lower the vision down to my provision. Jesus here does something very profound and very powerful. He says, you don't need to lower the vision. All you need to do is engage heaven. You need to engage God. You need to get God involved. You need to awaken in your life the principles of God. 
here what we want to teach you is how to awaken the principles of God. A lot of people, when it comes to the Scriptures, will treat the Scriptures as though the Bible is just a law book, like a legal document of requirements that God has for you if you want to squeak your way into heaven. That's not what the Bible's all about. The Bible absolutely is full of God's laws and God's principles. But Jesus came and died on a cross, taking the handwriting of the laws that we violated away against us, taking away, nailing it to the cross so that you and I can have forgiveness. You and I can experience grace and mercy. You and I can have everlasting life because of what Jesus did. But now he can activate his principles in our life. Your life should have testimony after testimony. Miracle after miracle, breakthrough after breakthrough, unexplained after unexplained. It is a miracle here. Everybody eats enough so they're all satisfied and they collect 12 basketfuls. It's not like some people said, well, I'll forego. And they they managed to stretch the five loaves and two fish to feed uh, a few people. It fed everybody and then they collected 12 basketfuls of leftover. So let me give you some, some quick pointers. The first thing that Jesus does, and and again, I'm going to draw from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and for time's sake, I'll, I'll just reference them. But the first thing that Jesus does is when he takes the five loaves and two fish, the Bible says, and looking up to heaven. I want you to notice he doesn't look out at the problem. He doesn't look down at the lack of resources looking up to heaven. Nothing will change in your life till you look up. If you said to me, what is, what is the goal? What is the purpose? What is the objective? What is the mission? What is the mandate of Awakened Church in San Diego? I would say to you, our mission and our mandate is when people are overwhelmed by what is in front of them, what is coming towards them, when people are overwhelmed by the demand of what is presented in their midst, when people are are despondent and discouraged by the little or the lack that they have with them in their hand, that our job is to get them to look up because there is a God factor. I'm not sure if you realize this, but life moves from heaven to earth. Did you know that? Life moves from heaven to earth. One of the first things that God did, in fact, on the very, very first day, on the very first day, how many people know this? And I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here. How many people know that God could have created everything in one day? But He took, he took six days and then He took a rest on the seventh day. Not because He was exhausted, but because He was modeling that we ought to work six days and then enjoy a day where we rest, where we get into the presence of God. But God could have easily created everything. It wasn't like, hey, this is difficult. Man, that wore me out. I need a good night's sleep before I get back into creating tomorrow. God could have created everything in one day. He could have created everything in a moment, in a second. But He took six days. The very first day, the Bible says, God separated the waters above from the waters beneath. He said, let there be a firmament in the heavens, and He separated waters. Why would He separate waters? God does nothing unintentionally. And that's all He did, separated the waters above from the waters beneath, and then God rested. That was the first day. Why why would God do that? Well, God was doing that because God was showing us the, the, the waters beneath, below, are salt water. We can't drink and survive from drinking the ocean. We are dependent 
on the rains coming down. We are dependent on the water falling from above to fill our rivers and, and flow down. And it eventually flows into the ocean, but it gives life. It gives life to all the vegetation and all the plants and all the fruits and all the orchards and all the animals and to ourselves. We need the waters above. And so Jesus, the first thing He does, He looks up. Nothing changes in your life until you get a heavenly vision. One of our goals is for you to get a heavenly vision, for you to understand that my provision comes from God. My provision comes from heaven. The number one thing that Jesus kept saying to the disciples is lift up your eyes and see. Lift up your eyes and see. It is so easy to get discouraged and look down. Man, I've only got five loaves and two fish. Man, I got dealt a bad hand. Man, life was difficult. Man, where was the provision? Where was the, the blessing of my parents? How come my mom and dad didn't set me up for life any better? How am I meant to tackle this world? How am I meant to buy a home? How am I meant to, when I've only got five loaves and two fish? Or sometimes we can look out and just be overwhelmed at just the, the constant barrage of needs and draw on us, especially in ministry, and we can get overwhelmed. The goal is that you got to look up. Abraham, nothing changed in Sarah's womb until Abraham looked up. Abraham was in his tent and God said to him, you're going to have a son. And so Abraham's like, you know what? I'm sick of you piping off. For the last 27 years, you've been piping off. You're going to have a son. Look, you have not given me a child. And God said to him, get out of your tent and look up and count the stars if you are able. The problem with you, Abraham, is you're looking out at everybody else who who have got kids and then you're looking down at what you don't have. You don't have a functioning womb in your bride Sarai, but instead breakthrough is not going to come from looking out at what everyone else has and what you don't have and looking down at, at Sarah's broken baby factory. You are not going to get breakthrough until you learn to look up. When Abraham looked up, he got a heavenly vision because your breakthrough comes from heaven. Psalm 121 verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where comes my salvation? My salvation comes from the Lord. Nothing changes until you look up. Second thing that Jesus does is Jesus then gives thanks. He takes a five loaves, two fish, looking up to heaven, he gives thanks. If you said to me, what is the key? If I was going to take one key away to have the most blessed life, I would say it's thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4 says that we enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Jesus is really smart. He knows five loaves and two fish, according to the law of physics, is not going to feed these people. He knows what's with Him is insufficient to meet the need before Him. So Jesus does something very, very smart. He knows I got to get Papa involved. I got to get Abba Father. I got to get my heavenly daddy involved in this, in this equation. So Jesus knows how do I get Papa involved? Did you know that God draws near to thanksgiving? The Bible says that, that uh, whining and complaining, the Lord sent fiery serpents among them. So whining and complaining will release the power of the enemy. You'll find fiery serpents biting you. But you'll find that giving God thanks, we enter His gates with thanksgiving. God lives in a gated community. And the access code to get into God's gate, to get into God's community. Now, if you're on this side of the gate, it's very simple. All you've got to do is start giving God thanks. Once you give God thanks, 
the gate opens and you can cross. Once you get into God's community, you better believe there's no poverty in God's community. You better believe there's no lack in God's community. There's no cancer. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no despair. There's no addiction. There's no despondency. There's no brokenness. There's no depression. There's no anxiety in God's community. You better believe there's healing. There's deliverance. There's redemption. There's the supernatural. There's the miraculous. And the pathway in is thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving occupies in three realms. Thanksgiving occupies in three realms. If you'll make a decision that I'm going to thank God for what He's done, just begin to thank God for what He's done. How many people thank God that you're not who you used to be? Come on, every day I I look at my life and I thank God that I'm not the jack wagon that I used to be. I thank God that I'm on on, on a trajectory where each and every day, if I give Him opportunity, the beautiful Holy Spirit and the beautiful Word of God does a trans formative power on the inside of me so that I'm becoming more and more like a Jurgen flavor of Jesus. Do you know that God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Bible says all of us are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You are created and you are born again and you've been predestined to be a flavor of Jesus in the earth. And you actually determine the rate at which that, that, metamorphosis takes place. And the way that it takes place is spending time in the Holy Ghost and in the Word of God. The more you spend time with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, the more that you're going to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So I always thank God for what He's done. I look at my beautiful wife. I look at my four babies. I look at this amazing church. I look at God's hand. I see His signature all the way through when I was just young and scared, 22 packing it, all the few positions I had and going off to Bible school, wondering, oh my gosh, have I just made the biggest boo-boo, the biggest blunder of my life? How am I going to make it? But I look back and I see God's hand all the way through, providing all the way, every miracle, every blessing. And so I begin to give God thanks for what He's done. But I also give God thanks for what He's doing. I understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God is a trinity. He created time. So time, therefore, bears His signature trinity. That God is working in my past, but He's also working in my present. How many people thank God that God hasn't given up on you? That God is working in you. He's working with you. He never leaves you or forsake you. Come on, He's working working on you right now. He's pushing on something. He's got his finger on something. It's uncomfortable. You're kind of squirming. You don't really like it, but yield. Yield to God. You can trust Him. If there's one person you can trust with your innermost secrets, with your deepest desires and your, and your, your uh, most, most corrupt struggles, some of the dark areas that you don't want to talk about, some of the things that you're ashamed and embarrassed about, you never need to hide it from Jesus. You never need to hide it from God. Let God deal with those things. Let God bring those things into the light and bring life where there's death and where those things are choking the life out of you. So I thank God for what He's doing. But then I also thank God for what He's going to do. I also thank God for what He's going to do because the Bible says that God is not a man that He should lie. God is not a man that He should lie. So if God has spoken it, it's gonna come to pass. If God has declared a thing, Who can stop it? Because when God speaks, His Word never returns to Him void. It always accomplishes that for which it's sent out. I thank God that there are still promises. I thank God that there are still prophetic words spoken over my life that I'm yet to walk into, but I'm thanking God in faith. Because the same God that was in my past, the same God that is in my present is the same God working all things for good in my future right now. He is in your tomorrow. He is in your next week. He's in 
in your next year already setting things up. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the, the thoughts and the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord, and they're good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. How, do, how, do, how can he say that so emphatically? Because he lives outside of time. He is already in your future and he's setting it up. And what's, what's his agenda? What's his motivation is goodness. I know the plans that I have for you and they're good plans, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So I can thank God. So as you begin to give God thanks, you'll find that as you give God thanks for what you have, increase will come. Give God thanks for what you have. Now the third one, and this is, this is probably the most important one, that after looking up and giving thanks, Jesus does something very, very profound. He blesses the five loaves and the two fish. He doesn't curse the five loaves and two fish. He doesn't rebuke the five loaves and two fish. He blesses the five loaves and the two fish. The word there in the Greek for bless is the word eulogio, where we get the word eugugalizer, or one who speaks at funerals. Sorry, where, where, uh, where we get the word eulogy. The word, the word eulogio means to speak well of, to speak well of. It's so interesting. Do you know that death and life is in the power of the tongue? Death and life is in the power of the tongue, the Bible says. Proverbs 29, 18. And it's so important that you and I learn to speak life. Don't curse. God, God created you in His image and His likeness, and you can curse what God wants to bless. So don't curse your five loaves and two fish. Don't curse your, your current job. Don't curse your current bank account. Don't curse how difficult it looks and expensive it looks in San Diego to buy a home. Don't curse the current car you're driving. Don't, don't curse what you currently have because whatever you curse diminishes. Whatever you curse brings death. Whatever you curse dies. Speak blessing. Well, you don't understand. Why would I bless five loaves and two fish? Come on. What are they among so many? That is insufficient. Why would you? Jesus understands that whatever I bless increases. Genesis 1, 28, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. I want you to know it's impossible to have fruitfulness and multiplication without blessing. It's in Jesus, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply because multiplication and fruitfulness flows out of blessing. So Jesus is modeling. He takes the five loaves and the two fish and he blesses them. He knows I need some fruitfulness and I need some multiplication. It ain't going to happen with whining. It ain't going to happen with complaining. Whining and complaining is the language of victims. Whining and complaining is the language of losers. We are not losers. Come on, somebody. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are overcomers. So, so our language reflects our, our position. And our position is not that of a loser. Our position is that of a winner. So we speak blessing over our five loaves. We speak blessing over our our business. We speak blessing over our startup. We speak blessing over our bank accounts. We speak blessing over our wombs. We speak blessing over our bodies. We speak blessing over our health. We speak blessing over our family. We speak blessing over our children. We speak blessing over our future. Begin to speak the blessing of God. Do you know the Bible says this in Romans 4, 17? It says that God speaks those things that are not as though they are. God speaks those things that are not as though they are. You need to understand the creative power of your words. 
bless and do not curse. Speak blessing. Declare the hand of the Lord is upon me. His, his power flows through me. The greatest days are in front of me. Right now, God is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. God is making crooked paths straight before me. The blessing and the favor of God rest. So I walk in the ways of God. I honor God with my life. I honor God with my thoughts. I honor God with my body. I honor God with my energy. I honor God with my acts. Begin to speak blessing and you will find your life will continue to flourish and grow. Now, the last thing, let me just finish on this. The last thing that Jesus does, and this is the most powerful, is Jesus then breaks the bread and gives it to the disciples. Every, every depiction of this that I've seen in all the Jesus movies uh, so far, and I, and I haven't seen all of them, so maybe there are some that have got it right, but in every one that I've seen, they get it wrong. In every one, it's like the disciples stand there going like this, and Jesus is multiplying. Jesus is multiplying, and they're like, wow, look at you. But the miracle, the miracle did not take place in Jesus' hands. The miracle took place in the disciples' hands. The disciples who said even a year's wages is not sufficient. The disciples who said send the crowd away. Jesus, Jesus is modeling something. I want you to catch this. Jesus was showing them, kids, dudes, you're always going to have a bigger need in front of you than the resources with you. But if you lean into my word, if you'll be obedient to what I command, if you'll follow my lead and do as I said, they set them down in groups of 50. If you remain attached to me, if you remain attached to me, you can actually reach out to all the needs of the world and my power can flow through you and you will see miracles take place through your hands. The key is position yourself in the middle. Awaken Church has positioned itself in the middle. In Salt Lake City, in San Diego, we have positioned ourselves between a, a city or cities that are hurting and broken and devastated and overwhelmed and overcome by addiction, by struggle, by poverty, by lack, by fear, by divorce, by brokenness. A city that is struggling with that, what we do is we come and we position ourselves saying, hey, we're on a mission from Jesus Christ. We're on a mandate from Jesus Christ. We, 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 are, we are staying connected to Jesus. We're gonna elevate Jesus. And as we do that, we find that what He puts into our hands, miracles begin to break out. The Bible says the crowd came and the disciples kept passing it. They're like, how are we keep, we keep, and it, the miracle took place through the hands of the disciples. If you'll stay with Jesus, if you'll take the courage to position yourself in a place where what is in front of you is greater than what you think you have with you, if you look up, to heaven, if you'll engage God, if you'll invite God. That's why prayer is so powerful. Do you realize that the devil trembles when even the weakest Christian prays? The devil trembles when even the weakest Christian prays. It's not the Christian praying that frightens him. It's the God to whom that Christian prays that terrifies the devil absolutely. So the devil trembles when even the weakest Christian prays. Now, let, let me land this because I'm already over time. Let me land this. So Jesus breaks and releases. He breaks and distributes. He breaks 
and gives. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower. Do you know in the Hebrew language, there is no word for have. In the Hebrew language, there is no word for have. You, because you don't actually have anything. You may say, well, hang on, I, I have a nice house. And I have, no, no, you occupy a nice house. But you can't take it with you to heaven. You can't take your car with you to heaven. So, so the Hebrew language is very, very specific teaching the people that you, you are a steward of goods. You are a steward of resources. All things come from God and God blesses us so that we enjoy those things. We occupy those things. The Bible says there was a, a, rich, a rich young ruler who came to Jesus kneeling before him saying, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus goes through the command and said, all those I've kept, cinch. Jesus says, one thing you lack, sell everything that you have. Give to the poor. The Bible says he went away sad because he had great. His position, his, his uh, disposition, his issue was that he thought that he had great possessions. He didn't realize he was a steward of great possessions. He thought my hand, govern in my hand. He didn't realize that all blessing come from God. Jesus said, if you will become a distributor, if you will become a conduit, man, you're going to get even greater. Because Jesus then says to the disciples how hard it is for the rich. And they're like, man, we've left everything. Jesus, I'll tell you the truth. There's no one who's left houses, lands, brothers, sisters, jobs for my sake, who will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this life and in the life to come, everlasting life. Why is that? Because Jesus wants you to understand that you're meant to be a distributor. God is always testing you. He gives you your, your salary. Can you, break, can you break your salary? And God's only asking for 10%. That's called the tithe. But when you break it, the multiplication happens. An unbroken salary, there's no multiplication. But when you break it and give it, that's when God's power comes upon it and multiplies it. Do you know, I've discovered this in 34 years of following Jesus. That if whatever comes in, if I break it and distribute, if I break it and bring the tithe, the blessing of God lands on the 90%. So it multiplies far beyond my 100% trying to, to go against a curse on my own. Always, always had problems. But when I tithed, 90% with the blessing of God, 90% with the multiplication of God, 90% rebuking the devourer, 90% has gone exceedingly abundantly. In fact, so much so that Leanne's like, wow, if that's working on 90%, what could we do on 80%? What could we do on 70%? And we've only seen the increase of God. You know, Jesus was the Godhead broken for a moment on the cross so that God could bring a miracle and feed all of the longings of our souls with salvation. It's the, it's the way of God. He breaks and He distributes. He breaks and He distributes. He breaks and He distributes. The miracle took place in the disciples' hands. God wants miracles to take place in your hands. He wants miracles to take place in your life. Somebody once asked me many years ago, do you believe in miracles? And I said, I used to, but now I depend on them. I used to believe in miracles, but now I depend on them. We, we, this whole church is hilarious. You can ask Pastor Jesse and beautiful Pastor Kat. They've been with us since day one. The whole story has been miraculous. Are you kidding me? There's no way we were smart enough to do what we're doing. It's just 
We just dared to believe. We just dared to believe that the God who spoke is able to perform that which He spoke. I know that God has got a plan for your life. I know that He wants to awaken these principles. If you'll look up and engage God, if you'll give thanks, thankfulness, if you'll speak blessing and not cursing, and then if you'll take the courage to break and release, break and give, break and distribute, giving is always God's way. You will find God's power and God's breakthrough unparalleled and unmatched in every area of your life. I found that some of the most powerful times to give is when I most needed to draw it in. When I most needed to, many times God has said, I need you to give away your deposit. I need you to give away that. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to get? And God says, watch me. You never lose when you give to God. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people today. Lord, I thank you, Father, that they are going to see the miraculous. And I thank you, Lord God, today we all reposition ourselves that we stand in between the crowds and the city and the needs and the brokenness, the anxiety, the fear, the struggle, the unemployment, the furloughed, the depression, the addictions. We stand ourselves there, not dismissing the crowd, not sending them away, not saying we can't do anything. We stand in the gap today, God, and we say, use us. But we stay connected to you, Jesus. Lord, whatever you say, whatever you model, we're going to lift up our eyes and look to you, Jesus. We know that you've called us to impact our communities, impact our families, impact our neighborhoods. We say that nothing is impossible with God. And we know that nothing's impossible with God. Therefore, all we've got to do is make sure that we are with God. So, Father, today we choose to be with you. We choose to be attached, connected to you. We know that miracles are going to take place in our hands the most extraordinary miracles we're going to see. So Father, bless these beautiful people today. I declare healing, deliverance, provision, supernatural and breakthroughs flow as we apply the principles of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. God bless you. It's been so wonderful to be with you and we'll see you again next time. God bless. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.